Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. What year is it for those that believe and are part of Love Life? There you go. That's where you're at. I was wondering. There's so many exciting things, and, and um, like uh, what was mentioned is, is you know, the, um, we're creating a video of I'm Love Life. It's going to be awesome. So get those videos in. Send them in. And I, I know you guys are creative. I can't wait to see all the videos that come in. I don't care if you just stand there and go on, I'm Love Life. That's fine. We're not saying you have to go out and jump off a cliff, okay? <laughs> we're not. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, get me something, okay? Oh, by the way, if you're doing a taco, we're going to check the timestamp. Make sure it's not on a Friday. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right? I'm going to check you guys out. So it's, it's something that we're proud of as far as uh, what we know we can accomplish in doing these things. Hey, we're, we're in a new year. And, and why, why do what we did last year, you know? Who cares about 19? It's gone. This is 2020. This is, this is new. This is, this is everything in this year is bigger and better. And I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. I want you to expect it in your families, your marriages, in, in, in your kids, in, in everybody. You need to understand that you are lining yourself up with God's will for you. This ain't about religion. This is about life. I said, this ain't about religion. This is about life. And this is what, what God wants for you in this life right now. Amen? Right now. Not later. Right now. This is what he wants for your life. And he's expecting big things. But it's up to you. Everything about this, tr- these truths is up to you. Are you going to believe it? Because, see, it's going to talk about some big stuff for you. It's going to talk about the real you, the way God sees you, and it's going to almost shock you in how the Father looks at you, what he expects out of you, what he has designed for you, your destiny laid out before you. It's big. I remember when I started hearing these things, and I thought, he's got to be talking to someone else. Maybe I got the wrong Bible. My name ain't on this one. So we, when we start looking at this, we start realizing, okay, what am I going to believe? And that's what it comes down to in everything in life. Again, we're talking about the Bible, right? We're not talking about religion. I know, it, I know it's tied to it in the world's view and most Christians' view. But I want you to untie it here because we ain't talking religion. We're talking life. We're talking Sunday through Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're not talking about Sunday church service or the times you come and then put on your Christian clothes and your Christian outfit and your Christian language and you look Christianese. And then you leave the church and you take off the Christian. You start driving normal, talking normal. See, that's ugly. That's nasty. That's fake. And we ain't about, that's what religion is about. It's about fake, it's about lying, it's about deception. That's what religion does. When we're talking about life, we're talking about truth, transparency. We're talking about, man, I go out there, I screw up. 
but I got a big God that doesn't. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Monday morning when you're getting up and you're going, oh gosh. And God's going, no, it, this is life. You, you put on your Sunday best right now. Whatever you need to do, you need to get connected to the truths of these words because God sees you truthfully. And we need to change our view to his view and experience, everybody say experience, this 2020 differently. It's the only way you're going to do it. Stay the same, you're going to repeat 19, which you repeated 18. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. This is our new year. This is our new year. Okay, now, let me... In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, this is talking about Old Testament as far as the, the comment of the scripture. These things, the Old Testament, the this history, the stories, the information, happened to those people as examples for us. The things that happen in the Old Testament were are for examples for us. The things that have happened in the old T are examples for us. They were written down to instruct us who live in this present age, this, this, this last part of this, this period that we live in. The Old Testament is supposed to be something you can look at. It's relevant to us today. Not the teachings of how God operated in the Old Testament, the law, is not for us today, but what was taking place, what people went through, what happened in their lives when they made bad choices or good choices. And we look at those stories, that history, and we can see, okay, I don't want to do it that way. That's not good. And that's what the Bible's teaching us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that we can look at that and it can help us. Are you ready for this? Hebrews 4, 12 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is a powerful, powerful scripture. The first time I studied this out and, and got the whole revelation of what it was saying, it changed my life. Because what it did is it answered questions, many questions I had concerning, how do I know it's me or if it's God? How do I know if I'm feeling is good or is this God or is it me? Or how do I know if that's the right person? Or how do I know? And, and all these questions as a young Christian or, or any Christian, you get to the place where you're trying to figure out how can I discern between, you know, was it a God dream or a pizza dream? Are you guys hearing? And this scripture makes it very clear. You want to understand, you want to see how to discern, how to understand the difference between what is God, what is spiritual, or what is from me. Because I can tell you right now, 
majority of Christians that I've known and I and I've have connection or through the years of we're talking with pastors and stuff, this is what most Christians do. They want to do what they want to do and tie it to the Holy Spirit told me. It doesn't line up with scripture, but they don't care because it's not about truth. It's about what they want to do. And the simplest thing, especially for charismatics, those that are you know, that were brought up into the, the spiritual things of the Bible, you know, the, the super holy ones. And, and I'm making light of it because I've been down that road. I'm not eliminating or degrading spiritual gifts or tongues or interpretation or prophecy, believing them all. I'm just not wacko. I'm just not wild with this stuff and to live a life that's filled with carnality and try to act spiritual in church. It, that, that's foolishness to me. And according to God, it's nasty. Because all you have to do is read the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You'll find out how spiritual are, spiritual they were, and then they were the worst natural as far as the worst acting people in all the churches. But they were the most spiritual. Isn't that interesting? Not most spiritual in definition by maturity, but most spiritual by acting in the gifts. It's very interesting about that whole history and the whole teaching behind it. But that just also tells me something. That the gifts of God, they're not, he, he's not looking at us like, you're perfect, now you can have them. He says, they're gifts. It's like your birthday. I'm going to give you a gift if you've been naughty or nice. It's your birthday, right? Sometimes you don't want to, but it's their birthday, right? So there's specific things that you give gifts if they're good or bad, it doesn't matter. You're celebrating the birthday. Amen? So what we have to do is we have to look at this in, a, in, in the correct light and see. God's saying this. Look at this. For the word of God is living and powerful. And ergeis is the Greek word. And it literally means power in action. Not power without action. Power in action. If you want to have God's power working in you through this, you got to do something. We don't just hear the word. Come on, somebody. That's good. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division. That means it has the ability to tell the difference. Tell the difference, make distinction, tell apart soul and spirit. The word of God can tell the difference between soul and spirit. So when you go through life and you're dealing with issues, you're thinking, wait a minute, is, is this me or is it really, or is it God? Is this a God thing or is it a me thing? And the Bible can say, let's take a look. And you start looking and going, ooh, I don't think it's a me thing. I think this is a God thing. And then you start looking and going, wait a minute, this ain't a God thing. This is all me. Because the Bible will do that. It'll help you understand. It will give you answers. It will. That's what God wants. He's not trying to hide anything from you. He's trying to get it to you. I remember for years I thought that. God's, God's only got the deep stuff for the deep people. Those, the, the pastors and all them. So I just sat back and go, I, I just give me the little stuff. You know, that's too deep for me. I don't have a Bible college degree. And so for years I thought, I'm not good enough for that. That's not, that's not for me. And then I started growing. And I started realizing, wait a minute. 
This is for me. And God's trying to get this information to me so he can get it through me. And if I can't understand what the guy's talking about in the first place, and it goes way beyond my head, then he's messing up, not me. My responsibility as a pastor, as a teacher, is to make it to where all of you get it. Not trying to bring a word that, that just gets you to where you go, oh my gosh, that was so deep, and, and it was so, so heavenly. And someone goes, what was it about? I don't know, it was too deep. What? what? That, that ain't going to help anyone. That goes against natural principles. Could you imagine me going to my kids and going, let me, let me give you some truths of life and talk to them as if they were, you know, got a, a, a graduate, a degree, and they look at me like, what? I'm just a little deeper than you guys. One day you can be like me. No, that would be ridiculous. You know what the best truth? Is the truth they can receive. You know what the best truth for you? It's the truth you can receive. Amen? The level you're at. We're not all at the same level. We're all different areas, different places, different positions. People judge based upon their life, not your life. Never forget that. So that's something you got to keep in your mind. Amen? So the Word of God separates. It, it, it divides between joint and marrow. You're like going, why is it saying joint and marrow? Well, marrow is where the life is. That's the blood. That's where your lifeline is, in the marrow. The joint does what? It's your movement. Movement is the soul. Life is in the spirit. Are you guys getting this? That's what the Bible is showing us. It gives us the ability to discern. Uh, that, that's critis, uh, uh, which we get our word critic. And it's saying that the discerning is the critic or the ability to judge between something. That's what this language is teaching us, that God wants you to know. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to know, and we know it through the word of God. That's why this is relevant. That's why this is so important. This ain't religion. It ain't going to work. I'm telling you right now, don't work. But when you bring this as life, it all works. It's good. It's so good. Amen. Now, am I a champion or am I? Am I a champion or am I? And that's the issue. That's the dilemma. Because the Bible's declaring things over your life that establish you as a champion. But then there are things that cause the question, am I? I can tell you what the question is always related to, am I? The question's always related to your past. Always. Or am I is always related to your past. Not today, your past. Yeah, but you don't know how I drove here. Exactly. Your past. We fought all the way here. Exactly. Your past. You're right here right now. Looking sharp. Everybody looking GQ, looking good. All right. But the thing is, is God sees you and communicates about you as champions. 
It's a fact. All right, now look at this. Romans 8.37, you're more than a conqueror. Philippians 4.13, you can do anything through Christ who gives you strength. 1 John 5, 4, you are an overcomer. Ephesians 6, 10, you're empowered by God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Jesus always leads you and always gives you victory. So these scriptures have already declared, according to God's word, that you are a champion, you are victorious, you're a conqueror. You're awesome. That's what it's saying. You're awesome. Again, you now hear those terms, you hear those Bible truths, and you're going to do something with them. You're either going to accept them as a believer should because you're growing and learning, or you're going to deny them because you're tied to the way you learn today. It's, it doesn't align up with me. It doesn't belong to me. I, I'm not good enough. I can't have. It's impossible. You should see the way I used to. You should hear me. And you tie it to, again, your past. Or you can accept this as today and see your future differently. See, I want my past to be different. The only way my past will be different is today. It's the only way. Today. What am I going to do today? And then as today unfolds, I got a different past rolling out. Is that not what you want? I know it's what I want. Wait a minute. Is your past messed up? No. My past is my past. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I want better all the time. I'm pressing. I'm not stopping. How do you define better or gooder? Think about it. I mean, what ultimately uh, uh, establishes our position of moving forward or stopping? You know what it is? The word perfection. And the word perfection is unrealistic and it's not even true except relating to God. Because there's nothing perfect except ultimate truth. One plus one equals two. That's perfect. You can't change that. It's perfect. God is truth. The enemy is a liar. There's no truth in him. So what I have to do is I relate in that manner. My life is this. Oh, I might get information. I might understand something. I might be real good at something. But I can always learn something else. Always. When you get to a place where you think you're all that, you're at the lowest level of life. I don't care how good you are. You think you are. You're not at a high level in life at all. I'm telling you. And everybody else thinks that too. We just don't want to say it to your face. But we don't like to be around you much because you think you know everything. You know what that proclaims, by the way? I'm just trying to help you. Low self-esteem. All right, moving right along. Stepped on a few toes. All right. Let me give you some major um, attacks against the truth of you being a champion. 2 Samuel chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. There's two invaders, two attackers. These are the main attackers to your champion self. Outside and inside. Outside attack, and I'm going to talk about that this morning. And then there's the inside attack, yourself. Those are the two attacks 
against you being a champion. But this morning we're going to look at the first one, that's the outward attack, the outward attack. And we're going to look at it through what Scripture said in 1 Corinthians 10 11. We're going to go to the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about an awesome kid's Bible story, David and Goliath. Woo-hoo! All right? But we're going, to, we're going to look at it correctly as far as, not as a little, you know, story time, but as in lifetime. Amen? Um, 1 Samuel 17. Let me get there. Y'all ready for this? Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. And they were gathered together at Soko, which belongs to Judah. Amazing. They encamped between Soko and Ezka in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up a battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on one mountain, and Israel stood on the other mountain. And between them was a valley. Are you guys seeing this? All right. So first and foremost, what we have is we have two armies gathered together. Armies are stated, not people, not groups, armies. These two armies have been in battles before. And now we have the Israeli army and the Philistine army that know how to fight. They have weapons. They have everything necessary to engage one another. For some reason, they're sitting there standing apart from each other and not doing this. A giant is going to come out in the midst of the Philistine army and is going to declare something to the Israeli army. And this is what this story is about as far as David and Goliath. This story is very relevant in all kinds of areas in life. So many truths in this story. So many truths that can impact your life on a daily basis. But what we're looking at is, is what attacks us, me and you, from our position as seeing ourselves the way God sees us as champions. See, how you see yourself is how you will react in life. How you see yourself will determine if you're going to be able to get hold of these, this information or it's going to be stolen from you. So it's, a, it's so important to understand that you're here for a reason. You're not here to have church attendance. God is not pleased because you got up and went to church today. Oh, I just smacked the religion heads right now. He's not. You know what gets him excited? When you hear the word and do the word. Not go to church. It's the truth. Tens, hundreds of thousands of people go to church today. You'd think the world would be different, huh? Because we all went to church. But interesting, it isn't. Why is that? If that was the, the special one that impacts God so much. Because his word gives us the truth. And his word shows us what is a priority and what is so important as far as the father's view of his children. And that is just like my view of my kids. They hear their father and they obey. That's the key. Not that they showed up for breakfast. 
Not that they, they're in the house, but that they hear and obey. Parents, that was the most perfect time. Too late, you're not getting any of this. Get involved with the message. If you don't get involved, you're not connecting to what I'm saying. Come on, this is a key. We have to get hold of this information. You want Monday to be better? You want Sunday after this church is done to be better? This is the key, all right? Let's really listen to what's being said. Here we have the two armies together. Notice where the enemy is in Judah's land. The first thing you pay attention to. They're gathered together in Soka, in, in where? Soka, which belongs to Judah. So the enemy loves to see if he can camp out in your background, your backyard. He loves that. He loves to find out, can I come to your house and maybe get a room? That's the beginning. Can the enemy get in your head and, and find some place in there? Does he have the ability to have you given him a key? Or if you hide a key, have you told him where the key is to get in? Because I'm telling you right now, this is a problem with most Christians is, is the enemy man comes and goes in your head constantly because this is part of his house too, even though it belongs to you. The moment the Philistines started walking toward their land, the enemy walking toward their backyard, the Israelites should have been running straight to the, right, right to the border saying, you ain't crossing this part. This, this land does not belong to you. You ain't coming over here. That is the victorious stance of someone that knows who they are in Christ. But see, what happens is the enemy's already in camp. They're camping out in their backyard. And so this is going to be the results, and this is the problem. You are a champion. I'm told you what God's word says. But it doesn't matter if he says this, or that you're healed, or that you prosper, or that you are successful, or you are. It doesn't matter if the enemy's living in your house because he's going to lie to you anyway, just as he did with Eve. Remember the beginning, Adam and Eve. Beauty, perfection. It is good, day one. It's good, day two. It's good, day three. It's good, day four. Good all the way through. Seventh day, I'm chilling. It's all good. And Adam and Eve are in perfection in the Garden of Eden. And you got one bad apple. One bad. They are the gods of this world, Adam and Eve. That's the declaration of God himself. You are in authority, you're in control. Own it. The moment the devil opened his mouth and said, has God said, Paya, smack him down. Eve, I'm sure Eve could have went, boom, 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 and he would have just ultimately died. But no, it doesn't happen that way. What happens? He comes in their backyard and says, hey. And starts talking. 
Which doesn't that make you think about stuff a little bit? I know I get a little crazy sometimes on this area, but this is what I do. I start going off on this like, okay, I'm going to say a snake. We're not sure, serpent, what it is, but let's just say it's a snake. Snake lifts up and starts talking. Now, now, hear me out on this, please. Because I, I, I like to use a little common sense. Because if I'm Eve or Adam and the snake talks, I'm either going to go, ah, run or whatever, or are the other animals talking? Hey, Mr. Baboon. Hey, Adam. How you doing today? I think God's coming around one. Okay. All right, cool. He knows them all. He named them. All right, anyway, let's move right on. It's just the way I think. It's the way your pastor is. <clears throat> Moving right along. So look, look at this. And the champion comes out who was 10, 11 feet tall. And he comes out and starts screaming at the armies of Israel. Comes out and starts talking trash. Now I said, approximately 10 to 11 feet tall. Historically, you look at, you know, the information that we have from archaeology, archaeological digs and things like that. The average height of an Israeli soldier was approximately five foot three. Saul was head and shoulders above them, uh, the rest, all, all the other guys. So he's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Saul, according to the Bible, was shoulder and head above everybody in Israel. And the best looking guy. I'm just saying what the Bible said. So here we have the Israeli army and probably the Philistines as well. We're talking almost double the size it's an amazing picture. Come, go, go get me my ladder. Do I have anybody that's about 5'3"? Tell everybody your name, where you're from. My name is Adriana, and I'm from here. <laughs> is there a here, Arizona? Because I don't know. Arizona, Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. All right. We're going to stand here awkwardly. Dude, are you kidding me? The ladder was just right by the door. See, this is my boys, man. This is my boys. Hey, who took the ladder? Why would you take the ladder? It's sitting by this door. Oh, my gosh. Don't leave nothing laying around. They'll take it. Do you believe that? Why would they? It's church and they're worried about a ladder. Someone's going to lose their job. That's just ridiculous. Or they're going to get a raise by being that cleanly. All right. You stand right here. No, let's do it sideways. You stand right there. This is the picture. All right. This is the picture. I know you freaks you out when you really see it. Tell me this ain't scary. 
No, I mean, look, look, look at me and look at that little peewee, little <laughs> tiny, tiny person. Look, you want some of this? Because I'll own you right now. Someone say something tough. I'll take you out. Look at this picture. Of course this is freaky. All right, let me get down. All right, uh, thank you, buddy. I mean, thank you, ma'am. Do that. Now listen to that. I mean, look at the picture. And the reason why that's so important because we can glaze over stories. We can glaze over information. But when it comes to life, you start realizing, wait a minute, this is a big deal. That giant was a giant. Are you guys hearing? That giant was a giant. And why that is so important is because it's about you. And everything in the natural says, yeah, you should be scared. See, this is the lie of a problem. It wants you to look at its natural position to get you to realize the natural truth of the situation. One of the great things of problems is, is they like to remind you of the past problems. You couldn't take care of that one, and I'm bigger than that one. Are you guys hearing me? See, that's what problems do. Problems love to talk past. It has, there's no life in a problem today, only what passed. I don't have a problem other than what was in the past. Wait a minute, I, no, I have a problem. Okay, when did it happen? Unless you can say right now, this instant, it's from the past. Are you guys getting this? This is so important to understand because what's happening is, is we're not looking at this correctly. We're not paying attention to the common sense of the issue. We're looking at in the spiritualism of things, which pretty much, that's eh, church. Let's put it to the side. I'm dealing with life. And you know what? You'd be correct to think that way other than here. Other than here. Are you guys hearing me? Because this information is about Sunday afternoon. It's about Monday morning. So what we have here is we have a giant standing before you Then the natural says, I can't defeat that. Exactly, you can't. But the God in you, the new you, can defeat the giant. This is the issue. you got to understand this. This is what this whole thing is about. God has always taken the nobodies. God's taken the people that can't, never will happen. The impossibles, impossibilities, and turning them possible and can-do people. He's doing it constantly in this word. Constantly. And if he's doing it constantly in the word and then saying this word's for us, he's trying to get you to understand he wants to constantly do this in your life. He wants you to become, hear this, a Bible story. Your life, a Bible story. And some of you have so many Bible stories in your life called my stories. And I would love to hear them, by the way. Love to hear them. I love to hear about the goodness of God. I love to hear about how awesome God is. 
love to hear it. And there might be something in my life where I'm going, I'm going to stand in faith and I'm believing God. And all of a sudden, a my story comes in where God moved in your life in the area that I'm waiting for. And all of a sudden I'm going, boom, if they can do it for them, they can do it for me. Because God's no respect our persons. Are you guys hearing? These why these things are important. Everything we do has a purpose. That's what you have to understand. You're not here by accident. You're not. I'm sure you can think of reasons why you're here, but I'm telling you right now, you're not here by accident. You're here by God-given destiny. No, not I was made to come. No, I don't care. I'm telling you right now. Now, now, it's up to you to receive something that will impact and influence your life. But I'm telling you right now, everything, everything is available for you to have something better than you've had before. And that's what you have to get hold of. No, and I don't care how young you are or how old you are. You have to recognize you're breathing. You have a purpose. You're not here just to finish stuff out. You're not here just to get started. You're here to do something big. That's a fact. Everybody in here. And we're trying to make this a big thing. Well, it's got to, well, where do I have to go? Deal with the one. That's the key. Deal with the one. Deal with the one. God said, can you be faithful in the few things? Can you be faithful in the one thing? I want to be an evangelist. You can't even win your neighbor to Jesus. Don't you understand? That's, that's all charisma goofiness. I've seen it so many times in people's lives. We need to be fruitful every day. That means you have a purpose every day. If you're just sharing something about goodness of God, if you're just talking about how awesome your life is because of the choices you made, whatever, you are making an impact in this life. That's a far greater impact than anything else. We're trying to make it, oh, I got to raise someone from the dead. No, you don't. You got walking dead all over the place. Bring life and light to them. Man, I know what. I needed it once. I needed someone to care about me. Can you care about someone? All you need is three this year. Can you care about starting with one? I agree with these names in the name of Jesus. I agree. Because we stand in faith over We believe over them. We expect. And then go and start expecting these divine appointments. Not just the normal everyday connection, but divine appointments with these three. That's what I believe. Awesome. Amen? Awesome. So here we have this giant. He comes before Israel. He's got the, his clothes. The Bible says his clothes, his, his, his clothes, armor, weighed 125 pounds. Who weighs 125 or thinks they weigh 125? <laughs> yeah. Anybody weigh about 125-ish? Chantel? Chantel weighs, see, Goliath was wearing Chantel. 125 pounds. That's a big dude, right? See, these are keys to what's 
the information that we're studying. And that is, this guy is awesome, but he's an enemy. Amen? He's an enemy. And the champion comes out. He has a bronze helmet. He has an armor coat. He has bronze armor on his legs. He has a javelin, a bronze javelin, whatever that, between his shoulders. The staff of a spear was like a weaver's beam, whatever that is. The spearhead weighed 25 pounds, so it had to be a nice big spear. If the head of it was 25 pounds, I mean, that's, that's something, huh? This guy was awesome. He stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said, why have you come out for battle? Their introduction to Goliath is this. He asked them a question. Now, y'all know the story. I'm sure everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Some of you probably even know the information between the lines of David and Goliath. In other words, more than a slingshot, boom, the giant's dead. Hallelujah, we won. But you know the story because you've read it before. And so you see the information. But what I want you to start seeing is, is the relevancy of this word for you as a champion and how the enemy works. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what the enemy is, what you're dealing with, what the problem is that's screaming at you, but I can tell you what they do, what the enemy does First and foremost, before anything else, he always asks you, why? Always. What are you doing here? He's always that way. He's trying to figure out, do you have the answer to the question? That takes step number two for him. And most Christians, they can't answer the question. I don't know. I just I thought it was supposed to be here. I don't know why. The word of God has answers to problems, all of life's problems. What are you dealing with? That the enemy is screaming at to you that you're not a champion. Are you sick? Are you dealing with disease? Are you, are you weak? What are the things that are screaming at you? Because I can show you that there are scriptures that tell you that you have a covenant right and an answer to the problem. But the enemy comes out and goes, what are you doing here? And most Christians go, I don't know. I, well, I thought God wanted me healed, but now I'm not sure. Because I prayed and it's been an hour already. The enemy's always going to ask you why. Why did you come to battle? Why? Why are you standing here in your I'm healed armor? Why are you standing in here, I'm in my, I'm prosperous armor? Why are you standing here with your, I'm successful armor? And that's what he does. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Our response should be what God's word says. Not what I did yesterday. Not my past. What does God's word say to me? Because when God says, I'm healed, when God says, I'm delivered, when God says, I'm set free, when God says, my past has been washed away, when God says that, it's my responsibility to get hold of my covenant right and walk in it. And when the devil says, what are you doing here? I can stand and say, what are you doing here? 
I'm walking in what rightfully belongs to me. This is my land, boy. This is my land. And go gangster on that devil. Are you guys hearing me? That's what the scripture is trying to get you to understand. Because your problems, your giants, I'm going to talk, then I'm going to start going, who do you think you are? What are you doing in here? Dude, I mean, people listen. He's in their backyard. What are you doing in my backyard? Not vice versa. Can you imagine a bad guy walking in your house? What are you doing here? Well, I don't know. I thought I lived here. <laughs> it's, it's my house. I pay the bills on it. <laughs> That's, that is the majority of Christians out there in this world today. Oh, my gosh. What am I doing here? That's what I'm doing here. I'm killing a bad guy. Oh, my gosh. This stuff aggravates me. The devil will take it to the extreme, and we just let it. And it's our house. Come on. Come on. It's your breakout year. Amen. What are you doing here? I'm a Philistine. You're the servant of Saul. Choose someone. Come fight me. If he's able to win... If he's able to kill me, we'll be your servants. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm telling you right now, these guys lie. The enemy lies. Because we already know the story. David kills Goliath, and what happens? They all run. Did you just not hear their champion say, we'll serve you? If you win, we'll serve you. Liar. Liar. Listen. I know God says this, but if you just do what I want you to do, I'll give this to you. Really, devil? You'll, you'll, you'll do that for me? Yes. We got a deal. Don't you watch movies? The enemies are always lying. I don't care what movie it is. They're always lying, and they always attack one another. They're evil. Enemies are evil. Oh, man. This is silly. This stuff is crazy. So the first enemy we have is the enemy, the enemy of the devil. The enemy to our lives is the enemy against God's word, the enemy against Jesus the enemy of the enemy, the devil, and religion, the devil's kids. Oh, that's all Bible, by the way, just so you understand that. That's everything Bible. Jesus went to the religious heads, Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, the heads of religion during that time, and said, you all are children of the devil. Very simple, very precise. He wasn't concerned about offending the religious Neither am I. When people come in, they go, we're talking bad about religion. I hate religion. I do. I don't like anything about it. If you study religion, you're going to study ugly. 
It's a fact. I love everything about this, and this is life. And when you read it correctly, you'll find that out. It's a fact. I like to do this. Prove to me what you believe in Scripture. Because most people believe stuff that they can't prove in Scripture. They'll say, God this and God that and God that. And go, show me, show me that. Show me in Scripture that it backs up what you believe and what you say. And I'm telling you right now, you're not going to find majority of what people believe as God's truth. It's a fact. And I want to be on the line of following these principles and growing in these principles and understanding these principles and becoming more freer because of these principles. And this is what God wants for all of us, amen? He wants us to have and experience everything. That's what God wants. This is why it's so important to understand this information for us today. And that's why we're looking at this. So we see the enemy attack. The second attack is from family and friends. The second attack is from family and friends. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown? Matthew 13, verse 54, it says this. He returned to Nazareth. Jesus went to his hometown. He taught there in the church. Everyone was amazed and said, where does Jesus get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Now think about that. Say Jesus was born in Glendale. He's out doing all this stuff, and we're hearing about all these miracles. We're hearing about everything that Jesus is doing. We hear his teachings, and all of a sudden, he comes here. He comes right in here, and then he starts teaching. We're going, this stuff is awesome. Where did he get all this power? How is he able to do all this? And this is, this is so important to understand because watch what happens. And then they started scoffing. They started laughing. He's just the carpenter's son. We know Mary, his mother, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas. We know his brothers. They all grew up in Glendale. Think about it. Joseph was a carpenter. Yeah, him and Jesus, they came over. Tables broken in an hour. It was fixed better than ever. They were naturally connected to Jesus before his ministry start. Isn't this the carpenter's boy? We know the family. Think about this. They're talking about Jesus. All his sisters are here as well. Mary had all kinds of kids. You thought she just, you know, Virgin Mary Jesus. That's all done. Nope. Joseph was not having anything of that. <laughs> Joseph's like going, I married you. Jesus, he's done. Now we're going to do the family thing. <laughs> All kinds of kids in that house. Look at this. See, you, be thought, you thought he didn't have brothers and sisters. That's what the Bible does. It brings truth to the lies that a lot of us believed. Amen. Truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. Let's keep going. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended. 
at him and they refuse to listen. Come on, somebody. The story of David now enters into, he comes on the scene with the army. His dad said, take some food. Go, go find out what's going on in this war because your brothers are there. I need to find out what's going on. So David comes on the scene. He's got some food. He's sharing it with the, the, the captains of the different groups, which is smart, butter them up, you know. And his brothers are there, and they're supposed to be fighting a battle. David shows up, nothing's happening. They're all just standing around. David is like going, what's up? What's going on? All of a sudden, the giant comes out. He came out in the morning and the evening for 40 days. That means 40 times 2, 80. 80 times he's already came out screaming at Israel. David's on the scene now, and he hears the giant. His first thought is, I'm about to go whoop on someone. What, what are we doing? Did you, did you just hear this guy curse our God? Did you hear this guy trash talk our king? Did you just hear what he said? I mean, inside of David is a champion rising up. He's not in the army. Qualifications. Are you hearing me? He's been watching sheep and goats. I mean, can you imagine? Now, why do you want to be king? And then job description of your past. Well, I watched sheep and goats and, and took care of the cleaning in the house. And, oh, you'll be a good king. Are you guys listening to this? This is like crazy stuff. David comes on the scene. And remember, Scripture says that he's the youngest, the least important, and he's fair-skinned with red hair. Fair-skinned, red hair, Boy, and he comes on the scene. Hey guys, I'm done playing Minecraft. <laughs> Whatever. I'm thinking about his age and everything. And they're like going, what? We're doing Call of Duty here. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so we, if you don't know video games, just, just pretend like, okay, he'll get to the Bible in a minute. All right, so, so what we have is, is we have David come on the scene. This guy does not look at it like a, an elite warrior at all, and he's riled up on the inside. What is that telling you? See, we, we'd be thinking, yeah, but if you were this, and you were in Bible school, and if you learned this, and you memorized this, and you've been a Christian this long, and we start putting down all these prerequisites of being able to be called a champion, and God's going, none of that, none of that matters. What matters is who you believe in. Quit making excuses, love life. Quit it. If you're a follower of Jesus, live life right. Not religiously, right. It involves integrity and character. More than you being able to pray in tongues. I'm tired of people that, oh, I pray in tongues all the time. And all you do is lie all day. It's, this is ridiculous. 80 times he comes out screaming. And 80 times, what do they do? In their backyard, 
talking trash about their God. 80 times. You know what that tells me? I'll read some mail. You know what it tells me? There's a whole lot of Christians that the enemy's been trash talking you for so long, it's just become a background noise. You're just so used to it now. It's just part of your life. Just, nah, nah, nah. You'll never, you want change, you ain't gonna change. You got too many issues, too many problems. Just trash talking you, trash talking you. You can't. You think you might, nah. Look at last week. And you've been hearing this for a long time. God, I don't know why. I don't know why. What devil? Uh huh. See, the Bible says, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. I believe that for every one of you that have received Jesus. But I think his voice is getting overran by the enemy's loud screaming. Because remember, Jesus doesn't yell. He isn't like going, listen to me! That's what I do. But he's not. He's got, he's got that, that, that voice that is so secure and so powerful. It's a voice of reason. It's a voice that says, no, you can do it. I just don't want to. It's just a mess up, and I keep screwing up. And, 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 and the moment you start being quiet and Jesus is able to talk, he's going, no, you can. Very simple, very precise, to the point. Yeah, you can. And the devil is doing what? No, you can't. You never have. You never will. No one likes you. You're unlovable. You've screwed up so many times. And he'll just go on and on and on. And believe me, Jesus ain't going to do nothing because all he's waiting for you is to listen to him. Silence the critic. Silence the mouth. Because what we see is brother Eliab coming on the scene. And David is so got this righteous anger rising up and he's going, someone needs to kick his butt. We need to kill him. Let's go. Let's kill him. And know what's happening? People are like going, what? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. This, is, this isn't right. And his brother walks up and the scene and goes, Dave, shut up, David. You think you're all holy now because you go to church? You used to be just like us. Talking about family and friends. Come on. Now you go on the church, and now you, now you don't think, you're, you're all thinking, you're all better, more holy than all of us. I just said I don't want to do coke anymore. <laughs> What's the problem? I don't want to get drunk with you anymore. What's the deal? Hello? No, no. See, this is crazy stuff. See, they're getting mad of stuff that you get thrown in prison for, jail, you're going to kill someone, all the ugly stuff, and you're being better. It's making you healthier. You're feeling better about yourself. Everything's going good. And they're like going, ah, ah, ah. I'm telling you. Oh, no, we know you. We know you. Familiarity. Oh, you, you just think it, it, it won't work. It won't work. Listen to the people, truly listen to, when you listen to people like that, 
when you listen, really listen, you don't listen to words, you listen to life. In other words, the words have to be related to their life. And all of a sudden you're like going, I'm not going to listen to that. That's ridiculous if I listen to that because I'm looking at their lives like going, scary, scary. I'm telling you, this is the truth. If you listen correctly, you're going to pay attention to fruit. I don't, this is probably one of the greatest teachings, that statement that I can give most Christians today. Because most Christians don't listen to fruit. They listen to emotion. They listen to people they know are messed up, but they're spiritual. It's, it's, it's a con. Do you understand? Even in Scripture, the Bible says that the enemy comes all dressed in angel clothes. But we don't want to pay attention. We want to just believe freaky stuff instead of paying attention to fruit that's talking. I'll listen to anyone to a point. But once you start going opinion on me or trying to relate to what I need to do, you better have some fruit because otherwise I ain't listening. I'll politely stop it. Or impolitely, all depends on who you are. But the point is, is I don't listen to that. You don't have fruit. What? That'd be like, and not that you guys would ever do this, but your marriage is all screwed up, and you're talking to the one that's gone through five divorces, and they're worse than you, and they're giving you advice. Or you listen to Sister Gertrude that they all messed up. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And they're all messed up. What is that? What did, do you understand? You ought to be talking to the person that's successful in this area, that has some fruit, that has some information that can help you. Not talk to wackos. Oh, that's another definition of religion. Religion follows religion. That's what they do. They compare themselves amongst themselves. Well, at least we're not worse than them. We're like each other. I'm not worse than you, and you're not better than me. It's ridiculous, people. So we have to have the truth. Amen? So Eliab comes on the scene and says, David, who do you think you are? Go watch your sheep. Oh, they love to talk trash. Family and friends love to tell you to go back to what you used to do. Yeah, but I don't live there anymore. I have a new life. I have a walk with you. No, no, go back to what you used to do. Go back to what you used to do. I'm telling you what they do. This is what the world does. This is what family and friends, people you love, people that love you, as long as you do what they want, go back to what you used to do. And that's what this guy's saying. His oldest brother, very familiar with David, knows David's life, and he does what? David, go back watching those few sheep. Go back. Go back. What does David do? Okay, I guess I'm not a champion because my brother who knows me, anybody listening to me right now? My brother who knows me, no. 
These are the dangers. The next thing is authority. He goes to Saul, the king, and says, I'll take care of the problem. And what does the king do? He says, you can't. You don't have the requirements. You're not a soldier. You're not big enough. You're not bad enough. You're not, you're not equipped to do this. This is what he does. The king. The king is saying everything about who he is, but not doing nothing. These are what people of authority do. Professors and teachers and politicians. They all want to go like this to you. But they don't have any success in their lives. They don't have fruit in that. They just want to have the information to bombard you with. We know better. We know better. We know better. We know better. I know better. I know better. And then they want to do this. Saul goes, he gives in to David because David convinces him that this guy has something within him. This guy's fired up. Because David says, I'll kill him. I kill lion and bears. I'll kill him too. He's just another problem. And with God, with God, there's no problem size. A problem is a problem is a problem is a problem. He's like going, it don't matter. There ain't no size problem with God. The lion, the bear. Listen, David goes, listen, I defeat a lion and a bear. And, and he could have said this, but I've never challenged a Goliath before. He could have did that. I beat this problem. I defeated this problem. But I never had a, I don't know how to deal with this problem. No. He goes, whooped on the bear, whooped on the lion. I'm going to whoop on the giant. Don't dun 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 I'm whooping. I'm just going to, I'm going whoop style. And, and, he, and, and he, gets the, he gets the king riled up. And what does the king do? What does the professional do? What does the professor do? What does the Paul do? They do what everybody does that has no clue of victory because they ain't doing it. They go, use my stuff. Use my stuff. This is what I would use. You ain't using it. This is how I would do it. This is how I, opinion, opinion, opinion. They ain't doing nothing. They just want to tell you how you should. You ain't doing it. And he throws on his clothes. Saul 6'8". David's probably five foot. David's like going, no, nah, this ain't going to work. I can't even, I'm tripping on this stuff. I can't wear this stuff. Takes it off. Now he's free again. Why? He ain't putting on their opinion. He ain't putting on their expertise. He wants truth. And the only way he's going to find truth is what he knows. I know I'm a winner. I know I'm victorious. I know I'm a champion. I believed it when the lion came. And when the lion came to take one of my flock, I chased that boy down. Boom! When the bear came, I ran after that. He was going all over the gangster style. That's what he was doing. What do we see? We see how the enemy works. What are you doing here? Why are you here? I'm bigger and badder than you. Family and friends. How dare you? Go back to what used to be. Go back to the back. Go back to the back. Go back to the back. And then authority. You can't. Let me give you all the reasons why you can't. You don't have a Bible degree. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. No, 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 no. 
what we have is, is we have a shepherd boy that knows he's a champion that's about to whoop on a giant and give victory to Israel because he sees the big God in him. Because every single battle he's had, he says, and the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord delivered me, and the Lord delivered me, and the Lord delivered me. But what did that power take? Action. Action. David goes to the giant, and what does David do? Stand there and go, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to get you, Mr. Giant. No, he does what every believer, every follower of Jesus should do, and that is, what are you doing in my backyard? And start running at the fool. That's what he did. He took his little slingshot, wham, boom, right in the head. Bam, the giant falls down. Can you imagine what the armies are doing? See the commercial with the trucks? That's the picture of Israel. Y'all know, listen, they ain't up there going, this is our man, baby, this is our man. A little David goes out there. Got a little shepherd uniform on. I don't know what it looked like, but it couldn't look cool. And all of a sudden the giant falls. David comes up and he finishes it off. Cuts the giant's head off. Discovery Channel all over him. Boom. The enemy does not like you to say, I can win. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm more than a conqueror. I can overcome. I can win. Our family's successful. My children are successful. My husband serves the Lord. My wife serves God. See, we start talking what we should be talking. Our outlook changes telling you right now, our outlook will change. And the victory is ours. Those are the enemies on the outward. Next Sunday, we'll be on the inward. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.